Oh my gosh, it's good to see you all here. It's nice to have the place so packed out. Well done. Good job. Um, I've been really, really looking forward to this Sunday in particular um, because we get to do two really exciting things today, don't we? We get to send a bunch of young people on a plane far, far away, which everyone's pleased about. Um, Probably, maybe except the parents, I don't know. Um, But that's just so exciting, having some young people who just want to be like, yes, I'm going to raise loads of money and then spend it all to go and help some people in a far, far away place. Just great. Really cool, really fun. But also because we get to dunk four people in a paddling pool outside on pretty much the coldest day that we've had for about two months. Um, All because they're saying yes to Jesus. They've thought about Jesus a lot and they've decided, hey, Jesus is what I want to give my life to. He's the story I want my life to be about. And I'm willing to take a cold bath outside in front of people who will think I look silly just to, to, to show that. So isn't that cool? So I've been really looking forward to today. It's lovely to have some new faces here as well. Um, I get a bit bored of the people who are normally here, so it's great to have some new people to look at. Um, so you're really, really welcome. Um, and probably the chances are you've come from a variety of different um, backgrounds and perspectives and thoughts. Some of you will hit, be here today as followers of Jesus yourself. Um, and what we've done today so far won't have seemed that strange to you. Um, others of you will be from different faith backgrounds or no faith background or whatever, I don't know. Um, and you might, there's a very high chance that you might think that we're a bunch of nut jobs. Um, and probably having me stand up here and talk will do nothing <laughs> to change your mind on that issue. Uh, but what we are going to do is just spend a little bit of time together looking at a story in the Bible that's hopefully going to explain just a little bit of what we're doing together this morning. Is that cool? Right. Um, if you have Bibles, um, this story is in Acts 8. And I think, though I didn't write the verses down when I copied out the text, it starts at 26. Um, So Acts 8 verse 26, but don't worry if you don't have a Bible, um, we're basically going to look through the story together for 15 minutes. Is that okay? Um, If someone has a klaxon at the end of 15 minutes, you can tell me to stop because really we're going to have more fun when we listen to the people uh, sharing their testimonies and stories than listening to my voice. Um, So I'm going to try and be quick, but I should warn those of you that don't know me, quick for me is different to quick for other people. I kind of... Quick for me is kind of 40 minutes, Uh, so we'll try and be quick. Oops. Um, Try and be actual quick. I keep stepping on this stand and knocking it over. Um, Okay, this is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Classic Sunday morning text. Um, And it begins in Acts 8 verse 26 like this. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. Now stop there for a minute because there's lots to talk about in that first bit. Firstly, we're introduced to a guy called Philip. Philip was one of the really, really cool leaders in the early church. This is like a few years or a couple of years or a few months. A few months? After Jesus um, kind of died and rose and ascended uh, to heaven. So we're really, really, really early church. And Philip is one of the guys who's kind of leading the charge with growing churches all over the place. So he's already been in Samaria, a town just kind of north of Jerusalem. Um, and he's seen some really cool stuff happening there for the kingdom of God. He's seen people get healed. He's seen people come to faith and they've given their lives to Jesus. And it's been really exciting. And to be honest, stuff where we meet him in this story, he's in the middle of what seems like a really, really cool opportunity, 
right? Things are going well. The church is growing. It's exciting. There's stuff happening. So when an angel comes to him and gives him a message, the logical next thought is, my gosh, I bet the next thing he's going to do is going to be even bigger, right? So if Philip is currently doing well, planting churches, and that's going pretty well, if an angel of God shows up in your lounge one evening, you can be pretty sure that what he's got for you next isn't going to be rubbish, right? Is that fair? But then the message gets a bit strange because he says to Philip, not go to a massive city, go to this next big place, and I'm going to use you to plant an enormous mega church, and they're going to love you. But instead he says, go south to the road. And then it clarifies which road? The desert road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. Go south, go into the middle of nowhere, to a desert road. And that's the instruction. That's all he gets. But then it says, amazingly, he didn't just say, actually, God, what I've got now is better. Thank you very much. I'm kind of doing, I don't know if you noticed, pretty successful pastor over here. He says, he just gets up and he goes. Now, here's a cool thing, okay? Are you ready for me to be a bit of a geek on you? Um, it is important. I, I, pro- I half promise you that I act like a geek every now and then. Um, when the angel of the Lord comes and says to Philip, he doesn't just say, go south. The t- there's two verbs in the Greek. Um, get up and go. Get up and go. And then later on when Philip does it, it says, in, in our version it says, so he started out. The actual verbs are the same two verbs. So he got up and went. Now, besides saying that Philip had some get up and go, uh, that's, that's the best we're going to get today, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> amen. Um, what that's actually doing is a little bit like me saying this to you. Romeo, Romeo. What just happened in your minds? Wherefore art thou Romeo? Or a few weeks ago, you look at everyone's Facebook profile feed and there's a message of hope on it. And it's just three words long. What's that message of hope? It's coming home. And you see the power of a phrase to bring you into another story. Do you see that? All I had to do was say, Romeo, Romeo, and your mind was instantly in another story. Does that happen? If I say, it's coming home, your mind is instantly in another story. Now a story of bitterness, disappointment, pain, regret. But nonetheless, another story. Now, to Luke's original readers, what he's just done in saying, get up and go, is he's done that exact same thing to them. He said two, two words that meant something to the original readers. You see, 400 years or 500 years or however long before this time, a long time, before this story was set, there was another story where God sends a message to a guy saying, get up and go. And the guy got up and went. And it was to a prophet called Jonah. Now, Jonah was a guy who heard from God and God came to him one day and said, get up and go to the people of Nineveh because they need to hear from me. And then the story goes a bit wrong. Do you remember? So Jonah got up and went. Did he go the right way? No, he went the wrong way. And as the story progresses, we see that the reason that Jonah went the wrong way, the reason that he didn't do what God told him was that he felt like the people in Nineveh were people who were unworthy of the love of God. They were too far gone. 
They were, they were from a different race. They had a different faith background. They had a different whole understanding of the universe and a very different understanding of morality. And that meant for Jonah that they were outsiders. They were not people who God's love would extend to. So now come back to this story. And Philip's here. And Luke has just reminded us of that story about how far does the love of God go? How far does the love of God go? Is there people in the world who God looks at and says, they're a bit too far gone? Well, we're going to have a look. Because Philip goes on his way. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Okay, we learn a few things about this guy. Firstly, he was randomly on the road. Coincidence? Philip sent to this desert road, and when he gets there, he meets this guy traveling. We learn a few things about him. Firstly, he was an Ethiopian. Most likely, he wasn't a Jew. So he wasn't a part of the religious system of Philip's day. Um, secondly, he was a man of influence and wealth, and he was in charge of the treasury of Candace. If any of you are here this morning and you're in charge of a treasury, Nigel's got a prophetic word about tithing for you afterwards. Uh, it, he, thirdly, we know he was really serious. Sorry, that, the humor isn't good this morning, is it at all? Um, Thirdly, we learn he was really serious about God. This guy lives in like um, central northern eastern Africa sort of place. Um, Maybe what's now Sudan, that kind of area. Um, And he has traveled through grueling desert for days and days and days on an ox-driven cart just to worship a God that isn't his nation's God in Jerusalem. Now, it takes quite a lot of effort for us to get people up at 10.30 in the morning to get here, down the road, to come and worship God. This guy has traveled such a long way to go to Jerusalem to worship. Not only that, on the way home, he's not like, hey, wasn't I good? I've done my bit. No, on the way home, he's reading the Bible. So he's like, on the car, on the way home, he's like, man, I could get some more of that. And he just kind of keeps reading because he's so desperate to search for God. He's so desperate to meet with God. But the fourth thing we learn about him is that he's a eunuch. Now, without going into all the biology um, of what being a eunuch is about, a eunuch is what you do to a guy when you want to know that the king's son is definitely the king's son. Make sense? Great. Um, but a, being a eunuch was, uh, had enabled him to get the job he got. It enabled him to rise to power in, in Ethiopia. But it will have meant that once he traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles to get to the temple of God in Jerusalem, they would have said, sorry, mate, you can't come in. You can't come in because you're an Ethiopian and you're a eunuch and we have rules. In other words, the message that this guy's always got from religion is you might be keen on God, but he wants to keep you at arm's length. He kind of tolerates you but you can't come all the way in. It's not completely for you. Does that make sense? So now this guy gets to meet Philip, and we're going to see what happens. Oh, incidentally, did you get the parallel there with the story of Jonah? (laughs) Cool. Good, then we're doing something right. Um, So the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? 
Philip asked. Um, Just a little note here. Do you notice how Philip doesn't just barge in and give him all the answers straight off? He starts by walking alongside the guy's chariot and beginning a conversation about where he is. Anyway, that's uh, an aside, really. Um, But he says, how can I... How can I understand what I'm reading unless someone explains it to me? Now, there's an undertone in that sentence. That, that What it looks like on the, fr- on the front is just, hey, I've got a bit of a confusing bit of scripture to read, and I'd like some help explaining it. But I think what's going on under the surface is this. The eunuch is being looking for someone who will come alongside and show him the ways of God, and no one has bothered to take the time. That's what I think he's saying. How can I unless someone, the, uh, the word is actually, is my guide. How can I unless someone comes alongside me and helps me to unpack it? So he invites Philip into his chariot and into his life, I think. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. This is a passage from the prophet Isaiah, has been mentioned. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now, we're going to come back in just a sec to some of what that means, okay? Um, And the eunuch says to Philip about that passage, he says, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? He's just struggling to understand it. So then it says this really cool phrase. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Philip had the opportunity to say to this guy, hey, there is a God and he sent Jesus because he flipping loves you. Incidentally, um, we aren't here because we're particularly excited about an idea or because we're particularly excited about a philosophy, or we're particularly excited about a worldview. We're here because we're really excited about Jesus. And Philip isn't trying to convince the guy. He doesn't start with his life. He doesn't start with, well, you're an Ethiopian. He begins with Jesus because that's what makes Philip tick. Philip is so excited about Jesus. He's kind of caught the Jesus bug. And really all he wants to talk about, I think, is Jesus. So Philip begins with this passage um, from Isaiah where, again, hundreds of years before this moment, God has said, see, I'm going to send a servant that will not just kind of lead people from up here, but will engage with people's pain, will engage with people's brokenness to the point of actually carrying it on himself, bearing it like a burden, suffering shame and humiliation, um, suffering uh, defeat and even death, but then gets raised again in glory. And so Philip's like, huh, that rings bells of a guy I know. (laughs) That's talking about Jesus. And Jesus is God's, God's way of saying to us, my gosh, I so, so love you. Because Jesus went around and all the time, all the time, the people who religion said God doesn't love you, Jesus would make them his focus. So for the people who were um, suffering physical illness or disability, uh, Jesus went to them and healed them and engaged with them. For people who were suffering like social ostracization, 
Is that a word? Ostracization? It's a word now. Um, Those were the people that Jesus sought out because he wanted to show them God's love comes as far as you. And for the people who felt like they just had too many marriages or too many messes or too much debt or too much riches or too much whatever, Jesus sought out those people and said his love goes as far as you. It goes as far as you. It goes as far as you. And, And Jesus showed that so much all through his life, but especially by carrying all our sin, all our weight, this is how the Bible talks about it, all our rubbish and all our shame on himself and enduring it to death and then rising so that we can have new life in him. It's really quite a simple story, isn't it? God's love goes as far as me. God's love goes as far as you. And so as they travel along the road, the eunuch gets really excited because he's never heard that before. He's never heard that before, that God's love comes as far as you. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. What a profound moment. And then the eunuch said, literally the word he said is, look, water. He was a sharp guy. (laughs) And then he says, why shouldn't I be baptized? Again, the phrase literally is, what will hinder me from being baptized. Do you get the, hint, the hints about his past? All his life, something has hindered him from going all the way with God. And now he's realized, my gosh, nothing is in the way. There's no one at the temple door now saying, you can't come in. If this Jesus is for me, if this Jesus is for everyone, then I'm going to respond right here, right now, because nothing's stopping me. So he kind of takes the initiative, he stops the chariot, and Philip and the eunuch walk together down into this water, and they have this really ridiculously simple ceremony together, where Philip dunks the eunuch under the water, raises him up, And for the eunuch, all of a sudden, it's like nothing's changed, but everything has. Does that make sense? It's like when you first fall in love, (laughs) and you still have to go to work the next day. And it's like kind of nothing's changed. Like you still got to go to work. You still got to get up. You still got to do everything. But now you're seeing everything in a new light. Now everything has changed for you. And what the guys this morning are doing is, yeah, well, sometimes we look at baptism and we think, hey, it's a great sign of someone's dedication to God. It's a great sign of someone standing up and saying, I am all about God now. That's true. That's part of what it is. But really, the four guys getting baptized today, it's not about them um, committing to God, but it's about them responding to God's commitment to them. It's about responding to a love that's already been given. This is the eunuch saying, wow, I just receive this love that Jesus is wanting to pour out uh, onto me. And so it says here, when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. It's like a weird kind of um, Albus Dumbledore moment. Um, No, there's not a Harry Potter reference implicit in the text. Um, And the eunuch did not see him again. It's a pretty strange end to the story, isn't it? Philip just kind of disappears and gets taken by the Spirit somewhere else. But then it says this really cool phrase. The eunuch didn't see Philip again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Do you see that? He went on his way. He was still going back to Ethiopia. He's still going to serve in the treasury of Candace. He's still going to do what he was doing the previous day. But now everything has changed because everything is in the context of a God who loves me. And what that does in him is it gives him just enormous joy. It gives him such release, such peace, 
and such joy because he traveled all that way to try and earn some credits with God and get to the temple and find God. And then God came and tracked him down on a little desert road and said, I completely love you. I completely love you. Really, that's all we're doing today. That's all we're doing today. That's all the four guys are doing today is just responding to the love of Jesus. Um, And some of you will have done that. Some of you will have done that a long time ago and you went on your way rejoicing and now you're just going on your way and there's slightly less rejoicing. Um, And it's easy to forget, isn't it? It's easy to forget the basics. Oh my gosh, Jesus totally loves me. And some of you will probably never have made that decision, have never responded to Jesus. Um, And today might be the first time where you're like, wow, that's something that I could consider even doing. Um, It won't be because of my presentation amazingness. It'll just be because of Jesus is just awesome. Jesus is just awesome. And if you've never looked into Jesus before, look into Jesus. He's awesome. <laughs> um, and, th- and then come on Alpha, <laughs> um, starting in October. But uh, look into Jesus. There'll be loads of people around here today who will be excited to talk to you about Jesus, uh, if you'd like to. Nigel, for example. Um, great. That's all I really wanted to say. Should we get the people up? Wonderful. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Lord. Uh, it's time to hear some testimonies. So I'm going to invite Rohan up first. He's going to come and share. And what we're going to do is we're going to hear each of the testimonies and then we're going to pray for them all together as a group. Right. Hello, everyone. I've never really done like something this often, but yeah, so I'm really nervous. So I just want to start by saying thank you to everyone that's here. Thank you so much for coming. And I want to give a special thanks to the people that helped me prepare this and to everyone that's involved in my church upbringing, whether that's youth leaders, Sunday school teachers, etc. I also want to give a huge thanks to my family for coming here to support me. And yeah, it means so much. I started writing this about a year and a half ago. So that's like last... Yeah, March or April, because I was never sure of when I would have the confidence to come up here and say my testimony. Most of you would know me, but to those that don't, my name is Rohan. Um, I was born in India in the best month of the year, 16th of December, 2002. And yeah, I came to the UK when I was one, and now I'm 15, so there's some straightforward facts. Uh, I've been part of this community from when it began. Church was always a natural thing for me. And yeah, it was part of my Sunday morning routine. So I would wake up, brush my teeth, eat my food and then go to church. And yeah, during worship, I used to stand up in each of the rows and just sing the lyrics without knowing that there was a God, but didn't understand the deeper concepts. So like God created the world, Jesus died for our sins. But what did that actually mean? From a young age, I was educated about Christianity and the Bible. I really enjoyed Bible quizzes and going to church. Oh, Bible quizzes were the best. And yeah, Sunday school was so fun. So once again, thank you to all the Sunday school teachers there. On some Sundays, I was extra delighted to walk in and see the communion table set out. I knew that communion was simply a way of remembering the death of Jesus through the bread being his body and the wine being his blood. But to me, it had more of a significant meaning. My brother told me that communion was a game in which we had to keep the bread and our wine in, the mouths, in our mouths for the longest, and the winner 
and the winner will be classed as the most righteous. But, yeah. The bread stayed soggy in my mouth, and it got to a point where it just slid in, hence why I never won. <laughs> I always had a doubt in God, because he was, like, too complex to understand. I mean, God, you created the world, and why are you making yourself so confusing to everything that you've created? And years went by, me knowing that there was a God, but doubted it when my prayers weren't answered. My faith was like a seesaw, going up and going down, but it was like never at the consistent level. Then, I went to Soul Survivor for the first time, and it ended up being one of the best weeks of my life. For those of you who don't know what Soul Survivor is, it's just simply a festival where a bunch of youth and adults from all over get together, have fun, and, you know, worship God. And I remember on the first night, the main speaker asked me, if you want to give your life to Jesus, come to the front. And I hesitated being so nervous, and yeah, I should have went up, but something held me down, so I didn't go back, and I really regretted that. But then luckily, on the third night, they asked the same question, but then guess what happened? Me being so nervous, once again, I hesitated and resisted going up, and I said to God, God, I'll do it next year. And this thing nagged me even more. This thing nagged me even more, and I remember praying in my tent, asking God for forgiveness, because I didn't go up. I don't know why, but... I just felt guilty in myself. And then the final night came, and it was a booming atmosphere. There was, like, a good vibe in everyone. And then after the worship, I remember the main speaker asking for the final time, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, come to the front. And then my heart, like, you know when you get nervous, your heart stops beating so fast. And then I got shook. But then, guess what happened? Oh, I fought myself. Luckily, this time I fought myself, and I went to the front, and I gave my life to Jesus for the first time officially. Way. So um, now, in our timeline, we are currently in August 2016 now. No, in our timeline, in this year. <laughs> so, yeah. This is August 2016. And then as the weeks happily went on, because for some reason things started to go downhill, even though I had given my life to Jesus. And throughout the next 12 months, I felt like I was going away from God. And I didn't know why, and I sometimes got like angry at him because I couldn't feel same connection I felt with him at Soul Survivor and yeah life was just bad for me overall but I didn't know why and similar I would say it's similar to how Jesus got tempted by the devil for 40 days but mine just lasted, seemed to last forever it was like I was getting tempted by Satan as well yeah but then at that time I wanted to get baptized because I was terrified of hell and death so it was a chance for me to be on a safe zone but obviously that was not the best reason to get baptized <laughs> My logic was like, oh yeah, get baptized and then be free for the rest of your life. You're going to heaven. Soul Survivor came again and then the atmosphere enlightened me. It was once again one of the best weeks of my life and I remember on the second night, the worship was so great, I think I felt God's love just hit me for the first time and it was like an emotional experience with like uncontrollable tears and a tingling sensation for almost like three minutes and... Uh, yeah, it was a very unique feeling, and I've never felt something like that ever in my life. And then the week went on, and on the way back, Stevie said something about uh, God and dating and marriage that really applied to me. It was like every Sunday was a date with God, followed by a couple of days, and then another date, followed by a couple of days, and then another date, and then the cycle goes on like that. But then, uh, yeah, I was supposed to make it a marriage with God, and I must know that in life, there must be ups and downs and things may go wrong but I'm definitely sure that I'll look to Jesus first through everything I do, every battle I win and lose, Jesus will be at the top of it and I look to Jesus above all 
Uh, yeah, so now in our timeline, we are currently in August 2017. <laughs> Through, uh, later throughout that year, I felt my faith has developed and my trust in God has got greater and God has showed me more of his love for me daily. And I just feel that I could always rely on him and thank him for everything he's done in my life. Then I had my chat with Nigel and more of my doubts have been cleared. Find out that God is complex because he is God and the only thing that I needed to know was that he sent his son to die for my sins and that was fully an act of his love for us. So I just want to be for Jesus and give my life. And for me, a quote that supports baptism and helps me is that Jesus died for me in public, so why am I living for him in private? And if you think about this, Jesus died in front of everyone on the cross and I'm just living for him in my bedroom. And I feel like this testimony can be a way of showing everyone that I'm living for Jesus. And all these years, I didn't know why I was delaying the opportunity to get saved and why I didn't just do it. But to conclude, why am I getting baptised? Jesus died for me. I know he loves me. I want to love him the same way back and just commit everything I have for him and everything I will have. God would never leave me, and I know there will be times where my faith will be tested, but I want to keep strong. I want to keep my strong faith in him and offer my all. I know that baptism won't guarantee my ticket to heaven, but Jesus said to believe and be baptized. And I want to live for him now, so as an act of obedience, I'm choosing to get baptized. And in my timeline, in our timeline, we are currently on August the 12th, 2018. My baptism. Excellent. Thank you, Rohan. Subi. Can Subi come forward? Hey. Hi, everyone. I'm not prepared as Rohan prepared. <laughs> I'm not writing anything for the last one and a half years or anything. I just prepared in the morning, I'd say. And I really have some problem with my language, of course. And, you know, and it's been a surprise for somebody who's sitting here. I never told anyone that I'm getting baptized. So I'm just revealing it at the moment. And thank you, everyone, for being a part of my big day, let's say. And thank you, for my, uh, thank you, my friends, for being here with me this day. And my Christian life started at the age when I born, because I born in a Christian family. Uh, my parents are Christians, so I born and born in a Christian family. I used to, I usually go to church. And the faith in Christianity is transferred from my parents to me. And I never know what I'm following. And I have been baptized when I was 50, 50 plus days. And God says, like, believe and be baptized. I never believe when I, when I get baptized. So, no, I believe in God. And I think it is a time for me to get baptized when I believe who is God, uh, who is my father. And I came to UK last February. 22nd of February 2018 so I'm just six months in UK and regularly I'm coming coming to the church from February onwards so I'm just six months in this church as well and um, so my faith as a Christian I mean from inside from my inside it started when I went to Hillsong Church it was on March so 
that time I received Jesus as my savior. And, and immediately after that, I don't know, I already told this testimony in this church. Something has happening to me. I was just creep on crying and I never know what was the reason which made me cry. And I discussed this with Sheila and she told me like it might be like Holy Spirit might have touched you. And I believe it, it's, it, ha- it was that. And from that day onwards, I mean, my life was always very challenging. And even when I came to UK, it was really more challenging for me. Like, you know, I needed to clear one examination. So which is specifically, you know, uh, will determine whether I'll work furthermore in UK or not. So which is like, you know, after that only I'll get my uh, license to work in UK as a nurse. So the exam itself was very challenging for me. Actually, I prepared well for the exam, but when I went to the exam center, I don't know what happened. Everything had went from my hand, and I did many major mistakes. And most of my friends and most of the people whom I shared this experience, they told me, like, you will not come up with this exam. You have to rewrite it. And I may need to spend, again, 1,000 more pounds to rewrite the exam, which, is, which means a lot for me in that case. And I came to church. Jenny knows about it. I, uh, I told her about it. And I told Sheila about it. And everybody prayed in the church. And the next to next day, my results came and I passed. And it was, I always believe it, it was just a miracle that happened in my life. And the challenge, it didn't end there. It was keep on, keep on going. And after that, I should get my um, license to work. That, that's what that exam meant for. But I'm not getting my license because of some paper reasons. I need to su- submit some documents, which is really necessary. And nobody can help me. Because Sheila always extends her help to me, but she has her limitations. But my godfather, he doesn't have any limitations at all. And he came with me and he hold me in his hand. And I would say it is another miracle which has happened. Like within two days, within a couple of days of time, I got my license. And, and nobody knows the reason what has happened behind it. And I, I always believe that this is just, you know, the help or the miracle which has helped me to stand here today. And another thing, I become debt free. <laughs> that I would say, like, you know, I had lots and lots of debt. Some, something I have cleared in the past and still I had many when I came here. And within the six months of time, God helped me to clear all my debts. And I would say today I'm debt free. <laughs> and, and another reason for which made me to get, get baptized is that I must be obedient to my father God. He told me like believe and get baptized. You have to be get baptized with water and Holy Spirit. Which, you know, which may make me to, you know, uh, get to a decision that I have to get baptized. And nothing can deny from entering to God's kingdom, you know, to me. And another thing I'd say, like, to the end, this is my testimony of my faith in the final resurrection of of the dead. And thank you so much. Thank you all for being a part of, you know, my big day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Suvi. That's so good. And this is Amelia.
While I've always gone to church with both my family and with the Scout Association, I've always understood that God exists but didn't understand the rest. Because of this, I always thought baptism was some kind of glorified thing. There was some sort of superhero line that came along with it, along the lines of, this is the day, I am ready now. And there were some kind of requirements, some kind of checklist I had to fill out. There had had to be a certain type of person, and in my eyes, I would never fit that. In the last year or so, I've been struggling with some considerable problems in my life, most prominently some significant issues with my mental health. For the longest time in my low, I could never even fathom the idea that a God exists. I was so upset and disappointed, thinking I'd wasted every Sunday of my life since I was born. But then I was empty. I know it's cliche, but there was something missing. I avoided people from church and disappeared for nine months. Nobody saw me. And somehow, in some way, my anxiety and personal problems made me feel I was not okay or ready for baptism. And feeling... um, No, that's... uh, (laughs) Sorry, I'm so nervous. Um... So I tried to make a change because I was done with feeling like I wasn't good enough for anything and feeling like there was nothing there. I began thinking about what my faith meant to me and I found out it meant to me more than anything else in the entire world. I no longer had the constant distraction and stress for school after the GCSEs so I could change the way I was doing things so maybe eventually I'd be ready to take the next step. Honestly, it's gone a lot faster than I expected. In the last six weeks, I've discovered a lot And while nowhere near everything is fixed, I feel I'm confident taking the right steps to picking up the pieces of the mess that's been the last year or so. Anyway, moving on. I'm someone who doesn't like surprises or being unprepared for things. It terrifies me almost more than anything else. So baptism always seemed intimidating. There is no way I can ever know everything God has in store for me. And that's really scared me. But the most monumental thing that I've discovered with the help of Sam and my base standing over there, it wasn't a particularly good time to have an epiphany because I forgot the next couple of chords, but it was good enough, is that everyone feels like that. While it may not be as extremely as me, every human worries about stepping into the unknown and doing something they are unprepared for. I realise that nobody can ever be fully ready for baptism. And I think that now I've realised that, I know what being ready feels like. And I'm sure that in the future, many surprises and things I wasn't unprepared for in my way. But now I know there has always been and will always be someone holding my hand. Um, And finally, I want to thank the church. I don't know what I would do without you. And two people in particular, Elizabeth and Sam, I don't think I could ever be standing here without your help. And I don't know if I would be here full stop without you. And last but by no means least, Galena. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Um, It's a special moment for me also. Uh, I feel a bit old uh, standing after these three youngsters here. Um, What I could say, I, I have known the Lord for 25 years Um, and uh, I come from a a former uh, communist country this is my background Um, I didn't know the Lord when I was young what I remember was that um, 
my grandmother used to take me uh, to the Eastern, Eastern Orthodox Church probably several times in my life. And then um, all disappeared. And um, later in my life, I was part of a, a, a Catholic family. So, uh, but I uh, believed in God. Uh, it was uh, amazing that uh, a neighbor of mine led me to Christ, and um, I was uh, I I received the Holy Spirit also at the same time when I believed in God. So uh, here, with, and the, the lady who led me to Christ was evangelical Christian. So uh, this was a dilemma in my life because I. Uh, had the background of Eastern Orthodox Church, was a part of a Catholic family, and uh, my personal belief and uh, personal relationship with God uh, was uh, be- became through uh, the Evangelical Church. And these three denominations were together with me, and I, I couldn't decide where I should go and be baptized. Eventually, I decided to be baptized in the Catholic Church, um, but uh, this um, and I used to go to the Catholic Church a number of, of years uh, in my life, and even when I came here, I continued going to the Catholic Church until one day uh, somebody uh, took me to a um, vibrant evangelical church in central London, and I, I felt at home. Um, so since then, I've been coming to, to that church first, and then when I moved to Sydenham, I this is my home, and this is my family, this church here. Uh, and what I, why I decided to be baptized today again was that I wanted to do it as Jesus did it. I wanted to die with all my sins under the water completely and raise up above together with Jesus. Thank you for listening. Can I invite all of those who are being baptized to come forward and the special people who have come to support them, could you come forward? We're just going to pray for them. It'd be really good if you could come forward. And uh, we've got words, and Bev, Bev has got some words for them as well. So we just want to share some thoughts. Yeah, if, if those supporting you come forward as well, it'd be really nice so that you've got your friends beside you. And obviously, as a whole church, we're praying, but sometimes it's really nice to have your special, your special friends right next to you, isn't it? Wonderful. Okay. People have been praying for you in preparation for your baptism, and we've got some particular words for you. So, first of all, Rohan, John 8.32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah, I had a a picture of um, a wicket and the bales being sort of blown off the wicket and the accuracy of the ball. And I just had a sense, and it's in a card here, and I've drawn it myself, which is bad. But the scripture is that God has got you, 
and you are a warrior, an intercessor, a prayer warrior. And when you spend time in the hidden place with him, you are going to be deadly to the enemy. You will come out and you will fire arrows at the enemy that will bring down any work of the enemy. Bless you. And Subi, we've got Luke ten forty one to 42. Jesus said, few things are necessary. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And Subi, I had a picture of a, of a harbor, and it's a summer day, and little boats sort of in the harbor, and I just sense the Lord. There's a scripture in here as well, that God is your harbor, and he will continue to calm the storm. When you call on him, he will calm the storm. And he's saying to you, you can go out into the rough waters, you can go out deep, but boy, oh boy, he's got his arms there and he calls you back to his harbor whenever you need. Bless you. And Galena, Isaiah forty-three nineteen, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Amen. I didn't know that was the one. I've got something slightly different, but the picture is the same. I just see God. It's actually from Jabez that he's going to enlarge your territory, and he's bringing you into a a massive space which has mountaintops and it has water and fields, and where you have felt contained for quite a long season, he's bringing you into this open space. And for Amelia... We've got Judges 6.12. Let me turn around this way, then I can face you. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Um, And Amelia, the picture I had for you, and the word is you are rooted in God, and you're rooted there to grow. And the picture is that um, I saw you being transplanted from a, a little pot, into a field and being allowing your roots to grow deep in a very safe and secure place it is a time that you're going to flourish in the garden of god wonderful let's let's all stand let's reach out to these people let's all pray together for them now heavenly father you've heard all these people's testimonies you know their stories you know them inside out You know everything that's been going on in their lives thus far. But Lord, you also know what you've got in store for them. You know what's coming. You know all the promises that you have yet to fulfill in their lives. And we pray for each and every one of them that as they go through the waters of baptism, that they will meet with you. That they will meet with you as they're saying they're doing this to identify with you, to be like you. And so, Lord, we pray your richest blessings upon them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.